Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Welcome. How you guys doing? Got somebody over here had three espressos. Yeah. Now, listen, your heart's beating. You was able to get here and sit down in that comfy seat. How you guys doing? Now, yeah, now you're excited, excited. All right, so glad you are here. Thanks for coming to Freedom Church. Before I jump in today, I just want to ask you to do something that I asked the uh, first service to do. Um, we know that there has been uh, some an executive order on the mask thing. I want you to know that we as churches are exempt. However, if you feel the need to wear a mask, I want you to, okay? I want you to do that. You know, they're not required, but they are welcome. I want you to know that. But also, most of all, I want to ask you to do something that's been heavy on my heart. I want to ask you over the next seven days, I want you to partner in prayer with me, and we ask God to destroy this virus. Is that okay, y'all? Well, let's do that. Let's ask God to destroy it now. Some people, you know, some people, and we can go on, I can go on a spiritual, theological, we can get really deep with that. Sit down, have a cup of coffee, and I can tell you what I think, but I, here's what I do know. Whatever God's uh, uh, doing, he's allowing this, but I know God can destroy this. So would you partner with me in prayer over the next seven days and ask God to destroy this because there's a lot of hurting innocent people, and we need to ask God to do that, okay? Especially those who have suffered the fact of losing loved ones. So let's ask God to do that, all right? So today, I'm so glad you are here. Maybe uh, you are brand new today. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church. Maybe you returned and you haven't been in quite some time. Thank you for coming today. And uh, so what I want to do, if you uh, if you like to have an outline of today's message, if you have not at, downloaded our app, simply go to the app store and type in Freedom Church Gallatin. And then you go to the, after you get that, just go to the bottom right-hand corner, click on Sundays, and you can follow along there and also have it for future study reference. A lot of great things on our app. But thank you for coming today. We're going to continue our series called Facing Your Fears. And so what I want to ask you to do, if you would, please stand to your feet. I want to ask you to read this particular verse with me that this entire series is about and a basis verse for this because I want us to claim this because if you live in faith, your fear will, I mean, you live in, uh, in fear, your, your faith is going to crumble. So let's read this together and what Paul told Timothy here. Let's read it out loud if you all can. Here we go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, God, today. May we have this to adhere to our hearts and help us to grow our faith in you like never before, even in times like these. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Tell the person next to you, let's get in the word and have a seat. All right. So when we started this series and God put it on my heart, the first week I talked about uh, facing your feelings and, and what we're going through and things like that. I talked about how that you need to be able to give up to God and team up with God in his church. And then the next week I talked about uh, your fear of failure because those things hit us when we're having those fearful feelings and can really kind of isolate us, but not only isolate us, it can bring paralysis in our lives uh, facing failure. But also I want to say to you that last week India took it to the next level talking about faith over fear. You guys give her some love. She knocked it out of the Appreciate her. 
But today I want to move forward and I want to talk about the miracle of more. When I say miracle of, you say more. Miracle of? Miracle of? More. The last time I was on this stage, I was in Mark's Gospel chapter 5. We've moved into Mark's uh, Gospel chapter 6. And so I got a question out of the gate to kind of set this up. How many of you in here, and I'm going to ask you something personal. Now, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. And don't say, he's getting personal. He's getting personal. Um, You don't have to answer, you don't have to. But how many of you, you either got stimulus money in your bank account or you got a check in the mail? Raise your hand. Yeah. How'd you like that miracle money, huh? That our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are going to pay for someday, right? That they printed. But anyway, you got that money. And man, that was exciting to get money that you didn't work for. It was like miracle money, you know. We got our money and man, Shanna did with her half what she wanted to do. I did with my half what I wanted to. But you know the first thing that we did off the top is we brought the tithes and offerings to the church. And some of you are thinking, he's really meddling now. Because everything that we have is his. Whether you work for it or not, it all belongs to him. I was excited, man. I thought, man, I can put some gas in my boat. I can do this. I can do that. I thought, man, this is all this wonderful subject. But, but I brought his first. And some of you might be pushing back against me and say, you know what, though, Pastor? I lost my job during this COVID. You, you don't understand, you know. We're, 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 just, we're just scraping by. You don't understand. The bills are mounting. You don't understand, Pastor, where it's the third month. We've not been able to pay our mortgage because our business is in the red, and it looks like we're going to be, uh, be uh, just taken out of our house. I'm going to have to give it up. You don't understand, Pastor. These things have happened to me. My bank account's empty. I know a lot of people are hurting, and I've talked to a lot of hurting people, hurting financially, and that might not be you, but I tell you what happens in times like these. Whatever we do have financially, we all of a sudden get in fear and we kind of want to hold on tight to what we've got. But here's a word that I have for you. Understanding that whether you have lost your job or whether your 401k is tanking like most everybody's is. Some of you need a miracle right now. So... Don't allow the fear of keeping what you have to inhibit you for your miracle of more. Let me say that again. Don't allow your fear of keeping what you've got to inhibit you from your miracle of more. I mean, God has a miracle of more for you, and that's what we're going to talk about because there's a miracle of more. Now, I want you to claim it today. If you really want it, you got to claim it today. And I need your help in this, all right? The last crowd, I'm going to be honest with you, they were dead, okay? They were sitting out there. I think I, I needed to check some pulses. They were sleeping or something. Please don't do that. I need your help in this because if you really want a miracle of more, we can grab that according to God's Word, okay? We're going to look at that today. So, miracle of more. Okay. All right. Let's jump into it and let's think about it because Jesus did all kinds of miracles. There's all kinds of famous miracles. You know, I always think about when he raised Lazarus out of the tomb. He said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, and if he just said, come forth, all the graves in the world would have burst open and there would have been dead people that were alive walking around everywhere. Jesus had made the deaf to be able to hear, the mute to be able to speak. Today, we're going to take a look at a little boy's lunch that fed a lot of people. Some of you are probably dreaming for a miracle right now. Today, you may be here for your first time in this church because it's your last ditch effort to see what God could do. 
I believe everybody at some point, at some time in their life, is going to need a miracle in their life. I believe that with all my heart. Whether it's a financial miracle, it's a health miracle, it's a relationship miracle, maybe it's a professional miracle that you need, whatever it may be. But I want to ask this question, and I, I want to ask you this, because I was praying for you early this morning. How many of you here will lift your hand and say, I could really use a miracle in my life right now? Would you raise your hand? God bless you. Keep your hands up so we can keep each other in prayer through this time together. Thank you. Thank you. Let's read God's Word here, and let's jump into what happened in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse 34. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, anytime you see the conjunction but and Jesus is behind it, you better listen closely because something's about to happen. It says, but Jesus, say but Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Here's the problem. It's a huge crowd of people. Jesus has been teaching many things all day long in a just desert atmosphere. It's gotten late in the evening, so there's no McDonald's there. There's no DoorDash, and there's no Grubhub. This is not there. How many of you, by the way, how many of you use DoorDash and Grubhub? Raise your hand. Yeah, quite a few people. They didn't last time. Use that. So it's just not, it's not there. And so they're very hungry. So what we're about to run in on here and what we're about to witness and what you can have come to fruition in your life is what happened here. There, we're going to look at four miracle principles that you can experience the miracle of more in your own life. And first and foremost, like they did, you've got to admit that you've got a need. But a lot of people today, they don't want to admit that they have any kind of need in their life. They don't want to humble themselves a lot of times to even do that. You know the people that are hurting the most are the ones that won't ask for anything. Y'all agree with me on that? They, they want, you can't get them. You don't know they need help financially. You don't know they need prayer for the life. But listen, in your life, listen, you've got to understand that you need to admit that you have a need. You've got to come to God and say, God, I need your help, God. Listen, we don't like to admit that we have problems. We want to hide from the problems. We want to cover them up. We want to blame other people. We want to pretend that they do not exist. James and it says, the stepbrother of Jesus, you have not because you ask not. So if you're not going to ask, how are you going to get the help that you need unless you're going to admit that you need help? And what we end up doing, we procrastinate. That's what the disciples did here. It was late in the afternoon. They were procrastinating. And any time that you really have a problem and you procrastinate, what happens? It gets worse, it gets worse, and it gets worse. It's almost like a problem that you have. You try to sweep the problem under the carpet, but there's always a lump there and you're always going to trip over it, right? So we end up passing the buck. We want to blame other people through these situations. A lot of times they say, it's not our fault. Oh, it's not our fault. They're saying, it's not our fault, Jesus. Send the crowds away. We don't want to feed them. Basically out of sight, out of mind, not my responsibility. And they're going and asking Jesus, Jesus, tell the crowd to beat it. We don't want to deal with them. Here's what I believe when it comes to problems. If we prayed about our problems as much as we worried about them, I promise you, you'd have a lot less problems. You with me? It says here, and I love what it says in the, in the Passion Translation. It says, Mark chapter 6, verse 37 says, But he answered them, You give them something to eat. 
Are you sure, they replied. You really want us to go buy them supper? It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. See, they're saying here, he said it'd take a small fortune to do this for this crowd. And the disciples, they have this, this humanistic thinking of thinking, how in the world are we going to do this? How is it going to happen? See, whenever you come to the end of the human mind, that's when the divine mind picks up when you're looking for your miracle of more through God and his power and his presence and his purpose and his promises. You see that? That's exciting. If you're not going to get excited, I'm going to get excited for you because I'm going to claim it in the name of Jesus, okay? Let me say this to you. Listen to me closely. When God put it on my heart, my wife, my heart, my wife's heart about starting this church in 2000, year 2000, 20 years ago, um, it was amazing after we launched the church and we were meeting in Hendersonville High School, we'd set up and tear down there every week and... Um, I started looking and praying and fasting for land because I knew we had to land somewhere at some point, bricks and mortar. So we were looking a place for a location. And so with that being said, I started looking and I went to Taj Mahal. Everybody know what Taj Mahal is? Say yes. That's where the county building is. I went over there and I seen this piece of property. This is before the road was even through out here. There was no road. This interstate was not here. So I found out this guy's name and owned his 16 acres here. So I went to the guy's house. His name's Charles Crawford. I went up his long, slender driveway. I went up to his door and knocked on his door. I said, Mr. Crawford, I'm pastor at Freedom Church. I noticed you've got 16 acres of land out there at Harris Lane at that time, just a little bit singular road out here. I said, I'm interested in it, and our church is about buying it for a church. It's not for sale. Now, he wasn't mean or nothing. He just had a gruff voice. So I walked off his porch, and I went and I got in my truck and I drove out that long, slender driveway. And you know what most people do in moments like that? They never go back. You know what I did? I drove out his driveway and I said, God, you've got to deal with his attitude. Because I know when I prayed over this land, even when I wasn't supposed to, and I was trespassing on it, wasn't even supposed to be on it, I'm praying over this land. I, I did. I'm on this guy's property. He don't even know it, and I'm praying over the land. I said, God, you've got to deal with his attitude. Then I get home and Shannon tells me, you mean to tell me you went to this guy's house and you knocked on the door and asking him to buy 16 acres of land with no money? <laughs> yes, ma'am. I did. Guilty. But you know what I told Shanda? She always reminds me of this. She just reminded me about it here a while back. I told her, I said, my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And if God wants us to have this 16 acres for Freedom Church, to have a lighthouse for people to come to know his son, it's going to happen. Where are you sitting at? Where are you sitting at? Can we not give God praise of where we're sitting at today? This happened? Praise his holy name. That's a miracle of more. God wants to do that not only corporately as our church, but he wants to do that individually in your life, for your life and for your family's life and for our church family's life. It's that important. God says, I'll help. But you listen, you don't focus on the problem. You focus on the God who can cure any problem that you've got. You've got to come to him and admit you have a need. But then you move a step further, we do in the story, that is applicable to our lives. And we understand that we have to assess what we have 
you got to look at what you've already got to work with. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, look at what you got. How am I using what I already have as an individual? How am I using it in my life? How am I being a good steward? Am I being a good steward of it or am I being frivolous with what I already have, which God has given to you? Look what it says in verse 38. Jesus asked this. He said, how much bread do you have? He asked. He said, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, why did Jesus do this? Jesus, at any second, could have rained down all the bread from heaven. He could have rained down all kinds of Panera bread. He could have rained down chicken nuggets from McDonald's. He could have rained in anything that he wanted to do, past, present, or future. So why did he do such a thing as this here? Jesus says, go see what you've already got. This is the second principle when any of us need a miracle. God always starts with what you've already got. You see that? He starts with what you already have in your possession. So what do you do with what you already have? You take the energy that God gives you and you give him the money. You give him the time. You give him the relationship. You give him the talents. You give him the treasures. But God says, here's what I've got. Here's what I've got, God. So you do an evaluation with it. Now, back in verse 37, he told the disciples, he says, you go and feed them. Now, how would you like it? Think about this. If you had been 12 disciples... And you were told to feed 15 to 20,000 people. So the Bible says it's 5,000. They were counting me and not the women and the children. So basically, you go feed two-thirds of Gallatin at one time, and you have goose egg. You have nothing. Think about that. What's taking place here in this moment? It says, with what, they ask. It would take a small fortune to buy food for all this crowd. See, people saying, Lord, it's impossible. Yes, it's impossible humanly. It's impossible financially. It's impossible practically. But it's not impossible divinely. When God steps in, that's when the moment of miracles begin to happen in people's lives. And God wants to stretch my faith. God wants to stretch your faith. He wants to test us in those moments of time to see if we're trustworthy to have anything more than what we've already got. Why would he give you more if you're not trustworthy with what you already have right now in this moment? Same story of this here, of this story is in John's gospel, chapter 6, verse 6. It says, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already had a plan and what he was going to do to be able to feed them, but he wanted to test them. And let me tell you, when God gives you a test, it needs to be one test that you pass with an A, 100%. God wants you to pass that test. So if you're wanting the miracle of more, how are you going to pass a test with what you already have in your possession? If you're not doing a good job with that already, why would you even expect him to give you more? Why Why don't you do it, God? Why don't you? Do you just do it? No, no, no. He's asking them to do the impossible. You know what? In your life, there's going to be impossible things that's going to happen that you're going to wonder, what do I do? Most likely in a crowd of people this size and people that's watching online all over the world. Next week, and I'm not saying this because death and life comes from the tongue, but I'm saying most likely with people. In general, what's going to end up happening next week, you're going to have some kind of problem that's going to arise in your life. Some kind of crisis, some kind of surprise that you never saw it coming. You get a phone call or a text in the middle of the night. 
something you never saw coming. You're told of an accident that you never knew about. You're told about a death that you didn't even know they were sick. You're told about the sickness of a loved one that come down with COVID and they exercise and do great things every day to take care of their health, but they've got it. You have a child that gets in trouble. Next thing you know, they tell you, this is your last day on the job. We'll clean your desk out for you. God, listen to me closely. God knows the answer even before you know of the problem. Think about that. God knows the answer even before you and I know of the problem. He's not shocked. He's not surprised. He's not looking over to his son in his right hand and says, Whoa, Jay, didn't that blow you away? I didn't see that one coming. I don't think so. Not God. Not God. So what do you do? In this moment and in this story, you come to him and admit you've got a need and you, ex- and you assess what you've already got to work with. But then you give God whatever you have if you want to experience the miracle of more. In the book of John, it tells us in the gospel of John that the little boy's lunch, basically that Andrew found, is what they used. Now, let's think for a minute. There's 15,000, say there's 15,000 people. Could they have found a bigger lunch? Could they have found a better meal? I think they probably could in 15,000 people. But the little boy became the hero because, not because he had the biggest and the best meal of all. It's because he gave it to God and he went to Jesus and said, Here, Jesus, this is all I've got and it's yours. And so many times we don't come to him and give him what we already have. We judge other people for what they've got and say, they can give it to him. Oh, have you seen that ride they got out there? Man, I'm telling you what, man. You know, I I see the ride they got. Trust me, they probably got a bigger payment on that than you do. A lot of people do. It's a hard thing in this life. We all the time we look beyond to what other people's got. That's bigger. (laughs) That's better. Look at what they've got. No, God's looking and saying, what have you got? What have you got to bring? To Jesus. See, the third principle is that God uses whatever it is that you give him. That's what he does. It says here in verse 41, it says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving bread. Say kept giving. Kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. Say everyone. 15,000 people sharing fish here. You know, I thought about bringing a Happy Meal in here today. I did. Because a lot of people, there are a lot of preachers out here and preaching about this story and say, the little boy gave us Happy Meal. Yeah, the little boy gave us Happy Meal. I thought, I thought about bringing a Happy Meal in here, see how I can multiply it. And I thought, this is how I could do it. I'll bring the Happy Meal in here, set up a table, and get a blender. And I will put the hamburger in there, I'll put the fries in there, and I'll pour the Coke in there, and then I'm going to blend it up. Then we're going to get communion cups, and then I'm going to put a little dot of that in every communion cup, and everybody can partake in the miracle of a Happy Meal. Would you have done that for me? Ah, that was nasty. We did that at a camp one time. Everybody's throwing up who had had to drink it, you know. It still gives me nightmares. I've been in counseling for years over that deal. But anyway... <laughs> That's funny right there. I didn't even know what was coming out. But anyway, 
you look at this story here, it's absolutely incredible. Jesus kept breaking the bread, kept giving the fish, kept breaking the bread, kept giving the fish, and God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary miracles. That's what we're witnessing here. A little boy's giving sparked a miracle. And all of a sudden, you have the opportunity to spark a miracle in your life because you decide to say, God, I've got a need. Here's what I've got, and I'm giving it to Jesus. Then you see something amazing begin to happen. The little boy sparked a miracle. You know why? Because he gave his lunch. He did it willingly. He did it cheerfully, and he did it immediately. He didn't grudge it. He wasn't saying, I ain't going to give it to me. I resent the fact Jesus, you want my little meal. My mother worked hard for this. No, 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 no. He's not complaining. He's not resenting it. He gives it to God's son cheerfully. Cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. See, if you give him money, if you give him time, if you give him talent, whatever it is, and you are begrudging it by doing it, basically God's word is teaching us here, don't bother, because it really just doesn't count. God doesn't need your money. And God doesn't need your time, but God wants your entire life. And when he gets your entire life, he gets all of you. Nothing is held back because Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you can't give it to God with the right attitude, God is saying, basically, don't bother. It does not count. Here's one thing I've noticed as pastor for two decades. And this is just, it's sad. I've discovered that most miserable people are those who feel guilty that they don't, that they're not generous and they resent it when they are. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Did you know that the root word of miserable is miser? It's miser. You say, what do you mean? When I'm not generous with my time, I'm not generous with my money, I'm not generous with my life, I'm not generous with whatever it is. When I'm a miser, I'm going to be absolutely miserable. But when I'm the most generous person that I can be with all my resources, God begins to take what I've got and he turns it into a miracle of more. That's what he does. See, our existence is here. Check this out. I wrote this down to save me time, okay? Isn't that cool? Don't you love it, boy? It's so cool. Anyway, Freedom Church, we, we exist to reach people to know God. We want people to know God. We want to have a relationship. How do we accomplish that? Through our high five values. Everyone reaching, growing, serving, giving, and connecting. That's what we do. But I've been in ministry all these years, and when you think about this, under reaching here, reaching is when we get people to reach up toward heaven, they find Jesus, and then we want them to reach out and tell other people about Jesus. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to get a piece of bread, so to speak. But then we want you to be able to grow. We want you to grow in the Lord. We want you to grow in your relationship. We want you to grow to spiritual maturity. We want you to do like Paul says. We don't want you to stay on the milk. We want you to get on some steak. That's what we're talking about. We want you to grow in mature relationship with Jesus Christ. But then in doing that, we want you to be serving. God gave you gifts. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and gave his life. We want you to be giving out of all of your resources. We want you to be connecting with the body of Christ, with other people, to encourage one another, love one another, pray one for another, be there for one another. But you know the hardest one that people got right here? This one right here is the hardest one. Do you know stats show that when a person gives their life to Christ, it takes them four years before they ever tithe and give offerings to the Lord? You think, wow. Really? Oh, yeah, Really? Only 3 to 5% of people in the nation as Christians bring tithes and offers to the church. That leaves 95 to 97% basically that do nothing. 
You say, well, this is a money message. No, this is a heart message. Because I want to see you to be blessed. And I don't care whether you tithe here or not. God's going to take care of this church with or without your tithes and offerings. You know why? Because I've watched him do it my whole life. But here's what I do. I'm more concerned about you bringing tithes and offerings to the Lord that you go somewhere else and give it there if you don't want to bring it here. I'm that concerned that your life is blessed. That's how much I love you and I care about you because God's always taking care of our church and he'll continue to do so. But I want you to experience the miracle of more in every facet of your life. Does that make sense? If it does, say yes. I will challenge you always to become mature in your giving because it's usually the least area that you can be blessed in. You can't become like Christ unless you become a giving, generous person. You can't become like Christ unless you learn to sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 8 and 7 says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. See, to become spiritually mature, we've got to become generous. And the more generous we are as a church, the more that we can help people that need help in our community. We need to help the poor. We need to bless missionaries locally, bless missionaries globally, because we have the opportunity. And here's what I know. We have the opportunity to do that like never before. I got a message this week that just blessed my socks off. We have a missionary in India, the country of India. His name's Prakash. And last summer we have our worldwide meeting that we do with all our churches across the world and missionaries across the world. And God had put it on my heart when I seen the great work that Prakash and his family are doing in India reaching people for Jesus. So we had lunch together last year in, during the three-day meetings. And, and I told him, I said, as a church family, we want to bless you and your family and your work and for the kingdom. He said, well, he said, if you don't mind, just give it through the organization, through our missions organization. I said, no, I said, nothing. I, I love them and they're good and everything. I want to give this to you personally for you to use it as God leads you to use it for your personal help and for the kingdom effort. And because of your faithful giving, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was a fortune to him. I gave him five U.S. $100 bills, and I could see the emotion on his face. And he sent a message this week thanking us for the impact that we're able to make in India. And you didn't even know about that. Every time we give, we're impacting lives all over the globe. And I thank God for Prakash. Because in his family just a few years ago, Muslims came in and murdered one of his family members in his house because they were sharing the gospel of Jesus. I want to be generous. I don't want to be people that are not generous. See, the most mature people are the most generous people. See, we always benefit from the sacrifice of others. Did you know that? You know, this, this, this whole crowd of people, 15 to 20,000 people, benefited from a little boy giving what he got, what he's got, his lunch. You benefited from your parents. You say, well, you didn't know my mom and dad. They were like this. They're like, you would not be here if it wasn't for your mom and dad. You benefited from your parents or you would not be here. You benefited from your teachers. 
Because your teachers, hopefully you would give them credit that they help you to learn to read and to write. We benefit from the sacrifice of the soldiers all the way back to the inception of this country that we get to be sitting here free today to be able to worship God Almighty because freedom's not free. It took sacrifice. We always benefit from the sacrifice of other people. And you are benefiting today, if you don't even realize it, from the benefit in the FC family here of the sacrifice of people that pay for the very things that we have that we get to even worship with. Isn't that seat comfortable? I watch a lot of you sleep a lot in here because it's just so comfortable. I see that all the time. That seat you're sitting in, each one's just $140 each. And there's 750 of them. You do the math. How about we give God praise for the people that gave that you got that comfortable seat? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And I could go on and on. All the stuff we have in our kids' ministry, all the things here that God is blessed with because somebody sacrificed. And the thing about it was, there was a core team of people from the year 2000 to the uh, starting from the vision, and from 2001 to 2002, there was a core team of people that worked so hard together, effortless, effortless. I mean, so much effort going into it to get to the first worship service. They sacrificed with us together their time, their talent, their money, their treasures. And did you know that many of those people that sacrificed then? Almost 20 years ago, there's many of them that's already gone to heaven. And we get to benefit today here because of that. And I want to say to you, thanks to all of you here now and all of those that's gone on for bringing your lunch to Jesus systematically and on a regular basis, just like this little boy did here. And he gave and made it possible through his sacrifice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So after the, the principles of the miracle here, that you meant that you have a need and you assess what you've got and you give whatever you got to, I tell you what God wants to do. You can expect God to multiply it <laughs> because God is in the multiplication business. That's what he does. Look at verse 42 and 43 in Mark's gospel chapter six. They ate as much as they wanted. Say wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Now, I want to ask you a question. What is it in your life right now that you don't have as much of as you want? Think about it. What is it in your life right now that you don't have as much of as you would want to have? This is where it is the very principle of this story that God can multiply it. Is it time? If you don't have the time that you mean, it means you're not giving it to God. Is it money you want more of? If it's that, then it means you're not giving it to God. If it's relationship, it means you're not giving that area of your life to God. Whatever you totally give to God, he multiplies it, he blesses it, and then he returns to you because it is the miracle of what? Some of you believe it. It's the miracle of what? More. That's what we're talking about here. It says, and after the disciples picked up 12 baskets left over of bread and fish. Could you imagine the little boy going home and saying, Mama, 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 I gave my lunch to Jesus and this is what he did. He fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And she said, Calm down, Johnny. No, no, you don't understand. I gave what I had to him and he multiplied it. And I've seen thousands of people fed because I gave it to God. Wow. You guys are asleep. 
<laughs> think about this, y'all. Think about this. This is amazing in the Word, what God has done here. And some of you are thinking, this is a far-fetched idea, Pastor, that 20,000 people can get fed from two fishes and five loaves. No, it's not. It's not far-fetched at all because they trusted and believed in a God of the possibilities. That's what's amazing in this story. Here's another fact about it. Why was there 12 baskets of bread and fish left over? 12 is a significant number, right? There's 12 tribes of Israel. There's 12 disciples. But here are 12 guys that's needing to be taught the principle of the miracle of more. And they got to watch Jesus pray toward heaven for it. And when everybody is fed to the full, each one of those disciples got a basket to carry home. And could you imagine? They're looking at the bread and fish and saying, I cannot believe that I doubted him. And they get to tell other people, look what my Jesus did. Look what my Jesus did. He multiplied it. Listen, we all got a basket to take up. This is what my God can do. And he wants to multiply it in my life. He wants to multiply it in your life. What are you doing with that? Are you going to look for the miracle of more? Are you going to just hold on to what you've got and live in fear? That's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to have and experience the miracle of more. That is the principle of sowing and reaping. Listen. Now, hold on. Well, I quit patty caking in first grade. If y'all want to praise Jesus, praise Jesus together and do it abundantly. Give him praise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It's his glory. Listen, if you give away criticism, what are you going to get in return? If you give away encouragement, you're going to get back encouragement. You give away love. You're going to give back love. Give away time. Give away money. You're going to give back. And some of you are thinking, wow, this guy has went prosperity crazy in this. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll address that in just a moment. Why is it when we see this, it is the principle of sowing and reaping. And God wants to teach his people to become givers. You can't be like God unless you are generous and being a giver. John 3.16, look what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he what? What's that last word right there on the screen? He did what? He gave his only son. He gave his only son for me and for you. He wants us to be able to give and to be like him. And what's amazing, the reaping is always so much more than what you sow. God is saying here, if you'll give me whatever you need, watch me, I will multiply it and I'll return it to you more than you can ever imagine. Because it says in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, verse 27, all things are what? What's that word? Possible with God. God likes to do miracles through his people. Yes, he could have rained down any kind of food that he wanted to and fed them. But he worked through a little boy's lunch and the disciples passed it out. Wow. You know where we're at in Christendom today. This is where I believe we're at as a whole. And this is what God's been teaching me. What we often wait for God to do for us, God is waiting to do through us. Think about that. We're all the time waiting for God to do something for us. And, and I, I, I want that. I pray for that. You have not because you have, but so many times it's what God wants to do through us. 
And that's the process and the principle of the miracle of more here that we see. Maybe you're a first-time guest, and you're thinking, we need to get out of here. He's breaking out the snakes next. He seems like a Pentecostal. No, no, no. Okay? No. Listen to me for a minute. This is not just what you would say. People say, well, that's a prosperity gospel. Yes, it's about prospering. But this here, understand what I'm telling you, is the principle of God's Word. This is what God's Word is teaching us. It's just like for years, for over 10 years, I've been doing what you call a 90-day tithe challenge. I have two challenges for you today. If you don't give to God off the top and you're just inhibiting the miracle of more in your life because you're just trying to hang on to what you've got, Take the challenge. Take a card out of the back of the seat and put your name on there and your information and say, I want to take the 90-day tithe challenge. In 90 days, if you, we have record in 90 days that you gave off the top to that. In 90 days, you're no better off. And the mayor say, I'm worse, pastor. You go to our finance team and they'll write you a check and give you back every penny you gave this church because we don't want it. But you know what? Nobody's ever done that yet. You know why? They've always come back with story after story after story of the miracle of more. And it's not just financially. There's so many numerous ways that God experiences miracles. Another way I want to challenge you today is this. Take a 90-day serving challenge right here. Serve. Get outside yourself and serve. Right on the back of the card, say, I would like to serve. Someone will, if you get to write your information, someone will contact you, I promise you. They will contact you. You'll have an opportunity to serve in some place that fits you, your schedule, your life, whatever it is. I cannot tell you two places. If you want to experience the miracle of more, those are two great places to start at in your life. It's so important that you get what I'm talking about today. Now, if you get this, what can you expect from this and this challenge? I guarantee you'll see some miracles. When you get this, you're going to see miracles. There's no doubt if you took these challenges and you've never done it before, you may get a raise, you may get a promotion. It may be that your marriage is holding on by, by just threads and your marriage becomes to be stronger. Maybe you even meet that significant one that you've wanted to meet for years. Maybe some kind of unexpected income. Maybe it's some kind of healing in your health. Whatever it is, I think you'll see miracles. I'll tell you something else, I believe you'll grow spiritually. I believe that with all my heart, mind, body, and soul. And I'm going to challenge you. I will always challenge you to grow deeper in your commitment to Jesus Christ. Yes, these are perilous, tough times. But yes, these are exciting times that we're living in. And I'm going to be as honest with you as I ever can. If you are not interested in growing spiritually in the kingdom of Almighty God and through the local church, I love you, but maybe you need to go somewhere to a social club church. Or go to a church that's not interested. All they're interested in is keeping the seats full and the numbers high and, and keeping all that stuff. No, no, no. I'm interested in you becoming who God created you to be in your life. And if you don't want to be challenged and you don't want to be stretched in your life, then you're going to lose out on who you can become in Christ. I'm not pulling any punches. I want you to be able to become everything and grow spiritually in Christ because I want everybody to experience the miracle of more in your life. The miracle of? The miracle of? The miracle of more. Let me tell you something else that will happen during this time. You're going to be hassled by Satan. I hear it all the time. Have people a month in to taking these challenges say, Pastor, you ain't going to believe this. I can't do this type thing any longer. I lost my job. <laughs> you don't understand, Pastor. I can't do this. You know, my kids got sick. Medical bills are mounting. 
Listen, I've seen people get car trouble. They've had problems in their marriage. They've gotten sick. I've seen things happen. Here's what I know about Satan. Satan will do anything to distract you and to rob you from the blessing that Satan does not want you to experience. That's what he wants to do. And here's what you need to do when it comes to times like that. There's only one that you can tell to go to hell. And you tell Satan you go to hell and you stay there. I'm not going with you. I'm going to experience the blessings of God. And I'm going to trust you with whatever I've got. I'm not going to listen to you any longer. you got to take that stance against the enemy. Because you don't have to live a life as a victim. You can live a life in victory in Jesus Christ. But know the enemy is going to come at you when you step closer to Jesus. But ultimately what's going to end up happening, you get to experience joy. Joy, joy, joy. I love that old song we used to sing. Down in our hearts. Like this little boy here. He said, Jesus, here's my lunch. Whatever it takes, Jesus, I want to experience the miracle of more. Now, when you take this step, I, I know when I share something like this, there's usually three kinds of reactions. There's those that, man, they love it. They're rooting me on. Yeah, go, Pastor, because they're going to grow, and, and they're going to grow spiritually, and they're going to give no matter what because they don't need a challenge to grow spiritually. They just do it. They know they want to grow. They want more. But there's going to be some people that's just not going to do it. They're not going to grow. They're not going to give no matter what happens in their life. We're not waiting on anybody like that. We're going to move forward because you know why that, that, they don't end up doing that? Because you know why? They're in personal pain. And when people are in personal pain, man, they have pushback. They're selfish. I know that whenever I'm in pain, I'm selfish, and you are too. We just pray for people like that, and we minister to them and love them through those times in their lives. Other people, it's just simply they don't do, they don't want the miracle more. They're just they're caught up in materialism and, and or, or something else, and they don't want to grow. They don't want to give, and that's just fine. Okay, that's on them. But if you don't want to be part of experiencing living a life of the miracles and more then don't. It's your loss. But don't rob anybody else of their joy of experiencing the miracles of more. One last thing is, there's going to be somebody here that's going to catch this vision. There's no doubt in my mind. And I, they're going to say, God, I want to experience the miracles, God. I want to experience the miracles of more in my life. I want to experience the miracles of more in my church family. God, I want it. I want to be a history maker. I want to be a legacy leaver. I want to be a person who's going to leave something for future generations that when I'm gone, that God is still using that word. I gave that sacrifice then. He's multiplying it. And God is doing miracles through that. If that's you, man, go for it. As we close, there's two prayers I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to pray, God, help me grow spiritually like never before. Help me grow to be like you, God, like never before, especially in the area of giving. So I, that's what I want to do, God. And second of that, God, I want to ask you not only to give me my miracle of more, but I want to ask you, God, to give everyone here their miracle of more needs it. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for being able to see this great story of this great miracle that produced more than any of us could have ever imagined. We pray today in the name of Jesus that you will just bless each one here, God, to be able to grow in a mighty, mighty way. 
I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you'll just bless each one, God, that's praying. God, may we pray for each other. People lifted their hands and said, they need a miracle today, God. I pray in your name, Jesus, you'll give them a miracle, Lord. I pray, God, we're going to grow to be like you, unlike we've never grown before. We're not going to stay on the milk. We're going to get on the meat, and we're going to reach people that need to know you, God. We're going to be reaching. We're going to be growing. We're going to be serving. We're going to be giving. We're going to be connecting in the body of Christ to make a difference here locally and globally and everywhere in between. God, may we all get on board with it because you are the miracle of more. How many of you here, once again, as we keep praying? You want to experience that miracle for yourself and for somebody else. Just reach your hand up real high. Say, I want that today. God, just work in their hearts and minds as we pray in these moments, God, to grow spiritually and to experience the miracles you have for us and our church family, God. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Do a mighty work, God. Hear every prayer in your throne room, God. As we continue to pray right now, there are those of you that you need the miracle of salvation, that Jesus shed his life's blood for you and your heart is pounding right now and you know that you need Jesus in your heart and your mind. You know that you have sinned and you have fallen short of God's glory and you need salvation in your soul. Today's the day of salvation and let me challenge you in this. If you left this world right now and you did not know Jesus, where would you spend eternity? And some of you are thinking, that's not nice, Pastor. You shouldn't scare nobody. I'm willing to reach out to you and challenge you and scare the hell out of you because I don't want no hell for you in you so you can make heaven your home because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. So right now, if you know you need to pray to make things right because you're not guaranteed your next heartbeat, pray to him right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want this weight of sin in my life. I don't want this weight of heaviness, God. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. Tell him that. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to be born again. Save me, Jesus. My life is yours. If you've experienced that and you felt the peace that passes all understanding go into your soul, thank Jesus for that. He's going to give you the power of his Holy Spirit and his presence to go with you from this moment forward. I want you to come and see me personally in the Connection Center. I want to celebrate this with you. Father God in heaven, thank you for the miracle of more. And thank you, God, for those who want it more than ever, that we can see you do abundantly above what we could ask, hope, and think. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship, church. Let's worship. Give him praise. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.